Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. And it has officially become the time where we transition out of our fantasy conversations and more into the postseason. So we're going to be breaking down what is happening in Wild Card Weekend. We got a couple of coaching changes and coaching moves that have happened since we last joined you on Monday. And we will we will recap the fantasy season, but that's not going to happen until we don't have football happening. So the month of February, we will go back. We will look at some of the things that happened this fantasy season. We will forecast out into the next season for all of you who play in dynasty leagues and start to think about some of those moves that you maybe want to make and prepare your rosters for. But for right now, we have live football and some of the best football. And we got all of that, all of those matchups to get into. But what we're going to start with is the Jason Garrett officially, unofficially. We've gone back and forth on the how this has been interpreted. But the reality is Jason Garrett is no longer going to be coaching the Dallas Cowboys. Whether or not he has a position within the Cowboys is to be determined as has been reported that Jason Garrett has met with Jerry Jones for the third time in an interview on Thursday night. And there is speculation that he could have some position within the organization. What that is, what that looks like, if it happens, that is all to be determined. But for now, let's have some fun speculating with what is going to happen in Dallas, specifically who is going to coach that team. So Jake, what are you thinking is going to happen here? Because the conversation around Jason Garrett and him, the the Cowboys moving on from him has been pretty strong for the last few months and honestly has been pretty strong in the past few years at multiple occasions, but it's going to happen now. What are your thoughts on what you could see happen with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys? Because this is a pretty good roster to walk into if you're a a new head coach. That part of it's a home run. I mean, first of all, I want to say I really like Jason. He's a great dude, super nice guy. He handled the job with the utmost class and it is not the easiest job in the world. Let's be honest. I mean, having Jerry on the TV all the time talking about whatever and his ego is bigger than yours as the head coach is never going to change. My thing is if, if, if it's up in the air, if Jason's joining the club as another role and you're on the phone with Jerry saying, hey, will you come interview? My first question is, is he there or not? Because anybody worth a damn is going to go, no, I'm not coming to interview if he's going to be my boss and he was the head coach for the last eight, nine years. Hell no. Go get somebody else that's going to take the job. One of these guys that's desperate and just do whatever. Like I, That is so weird to me that he might join the organization in some capacity. Why the hell would he want to? Go take a year off. You're going to get another job if you don't get one this year. I, that, that to me is just crazy, but I think that's going to limit their candidates. But don't be surprised at all if Jerry goes – way outside the box with this thing. And I'm not just talking about talking to Lincoln Riley and Matt Rule and, and some of that stuff. I mean, Jerry's a creative guy. Uh, this would not surprise me if it drags on, and it wouldn't surprise me if there's some really wild stuff that happens before it's all over with. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody, uh, I'll say, I, I, don't, I don't know. It would be really interesting to see. I think Jerry's going to be outside the box with how it goes, and I think he's going to be very thorough, and it's going to be a really weird situation. And I think a big reason why it's going to be so weird is because, look, there's always this hype that surrounds the Cowboys. They're just existing. But 
it's real right now. That roster on paper is a roster you can win a Super Bowl with, with the right coaching, the right execution, some injury luck. You can win a Super Bowl with that roster as currently constructed, which makes that job extremely interesting, yes. extremely valuable, even with all the BS that comes with being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So I would not be surprised if Jerry goes, like he said, outside the box, goes very off the radar with this one or just makes a big splash like we expect Jerry to make at all times here. He spent the money on Zeke. I imagine he's going to spend the money on Dak. He's he's ponying up the cash for this team that's ready to win now and has a window, a short-term window to win right now. I don't think you can go with an unproven option, which is why I still don't understand the Lincoln-Riley love aside from just the name value, the sizzle of it. You need someone that can help you win immediately. But like Jake said, if the old coach is going to be hanging around in some sort of front office role or some sort of personnel role, I don't want anything to do with that. Like that's that's a disaster waiting to happen. Seems really toxic. I, I can't I think imagine. Jason can handle it. I don't know that Jason and Jerry and Steven and the new coach, like I, I think Jason and the new coach would probably be fine. It's just the fact that somebody would do that just makes it that much weirder of a situation if you're looking at it as a potential candidate. Yeah, I, I just there's a lot of complexities that come with being the Dallas Cowboys head coach. Um, you know, we talked about the ego and everything else. That just seems like it adds another unnecessary layer of BS that you have to deal with as a head coach, right? You you just want to go coach football and do your thing and deal with the stuff that you have to deal with that all the other 31 head coaches have to deal with, right? This is some of the stuff that comes along with being the Cowboys head coach that makes it not as lucrative as other people see it because I think you looked at you sit down and you write out the pros and cons of being a head coach in Dallas. And yes, three of the five highest broadcasts in the 2019 NFL season were the Dallas Cowboys. They're, they, the, the brand is strong. If you win there, you will be remembered in a way that nobody else will. That, But with that comes a lot of negative, negative things. And this is one of those things that I think if I'm Jerry Jones and I'm going to continue to operate the way I do, I don't need to add another layer to that. I'm already enough, but the ego exists and I don't think he cares. Right. And that's, that could end up hurting him longer term because this roster is very good. And I think it could be lucrative to the right coach, but whether or not he's able to get the right guy in there for the job is to be determined. I mean, guys, look, this, this was Ron Rivera all the way. I spent 100%. it a few weeks ago, but the more we talk about it, you need a head coach that's proven. Two-time NFL coach of the year. Well over 500 for his, his tenure there. Had a dual-threat quarterback. Knows how to win with running the ball, playing defense, and how to hit the passing game. And Dak's a much better thrower than Cam ever was. His ego is little. He loves family. He's fine with Jerry getting on the limelight. He's fine with his players getting on the limelight and being in the shadows. He was the perfect guy. And he already took another job in the division. Like, there's not another one of those guys out there that fits this other than Mike McCarthy, but he's not the same as Ron Rivera in that regard at all. It's the it's the second logical hire there, right? I think Ron Rivera was the home run hit for them, and I'm really surprised to see. I mean, Dan Snyder obviously moved very quickly, uh, probably because all of the reasons that we just described. Well, probably because he thought it was Thanksgiving. Yes, it's probably. true, Jamie. Very, very, very good point, him, Jamie. Though. I was going to finish the show with the worst press conference <laughs> intro that I've ever seen, but we'll just jump on it now. Ron Rivera uh, laughed at the at the point where it happened. Then I think he realized he was serious, and he went, "Oh God, what I get myself into?" Yeah, uh, well, I don't. What, know I didn't what, even know what to say to that. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on in Washington. There's a lot of questions. Good luck to Ron Rivera, though. He's one of the good guys. Um, Happy to see him get another job. We'll jump into that news right now because it makes sense, Um, and then we'll get into the other Browns news. But Ron Rivera took the job officially in Washington. We speculated about that on Monday's podcast. He's bringing alongside Jack Del Rio and some other um, he's going to be able to fill out a coaching tree very nicely. So one of the things we talk about in this podcast often is that, yes, you're bringing the head coach, but who is he bringing with him? Ron's been in the league for a long time. He's going to be able to fill out a nice roster. Uh, this is a young, talented roster in some aspects and aging roster in other aspects. Jake, I'll let you take this one first. What are your thoughts on on this hire for Washington and and more so now that you look at the team as they start to officially move on and rebuild um, what they're going to look like in 2020? They got some good young pieces, and this is a home run hire to me. I mean, you're getting a guy that just said two-time NFL coach of the year. Players love him. Instant credibility in the locker room, instant credibility in the media room, instant credibility with the fan base and the press conferences and around town a guy that handles himself with class, a lot of stuff that Washington's been missing. Not that Jay Gruden didn't do that, but Jay's a lot more brash. Riverboat Ron, they need a little swag. They needed something going on to change things up. And they gave him control. I think the reason he went there so quickly is he got a lot of personnel. Bruce Allen's out. He's got a lot of personnel control, a lot of say in what they're going to do. He may be total control. I tell you this much, that defense is going to be pretty solid right away. My big question is, all of Ron's coordinators are gone. I don't think Norv Turner's coming with him. He fired Mike Shula, who he had forever. That was like his only guys. So him going with a whole new offensive staff is going to be really interesting to see who they're getting with Dwayne Haskins and this young offense with Sims and McLaren. I mean, they look like they got some pieces. If Geis comes back off these knee injuries and can finally be healthy, Trent Williams is still out there in free agency or not free agency or whatever's going on with that. But if he comes back, he's still got a franchise left tackle. I mean, I think it's a home run. I think Ron is the guy – he would have been tops of my list of any of these jobs, but I think they did a home run hiring, getting, getting their guy quick, getting it done, and moving on. Yeah, the Redskins are an interesting spot because, like you said, there's they have a lot of pieces of talents on different spots. Like I imagine now on defense, they're going to line up on opposite sides, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, which is a damn good combination. Yes, it is. On, on both sides there. And, and on offense, again, you have a couple injury guys, but high-level talents in Darius Geis and Bryce Love in the backfield. You want to see what you have from them. We talk, Jake just talked about the receivers that they have. But there's going to be a lot of judged on what that offensive staff is. Is Dwayne Haskins going to be the guy? I think he's going to be the guy in 2020, but you have to decide, is he going to be the guy beyond that? Can you develop him more? Did what we see over the last two or three weeks prior to his injury, did that portend good things in the future? Or was that a blip on the radar against bad defenses? We're not sure yet. Uh, so that his job is going to be very interesting because they has a lot of young talent that if they can fill out a few other things and have good, solid coaching like we have seen in Carolina where they've played above the talent level the last several years with him, that could be very interesting because they do have some pieces they can move. I imagine they're going to have to move Trent Williams at some point. I don't know if that situation can be rectified uh, given everything that's gone on since then. They're going to get a high uh, pick if they do. Yeah, you have a high pick there if you move on. You guys want a name for offense coordinator that would be great? Who? I mean, if you're Daniel Snyder, what better than to steal Kellen Moore? He's yeah. looking for yeah. he's looking for a job as of right now. In the division, just led the NFL in offense your first year as a play caller. I thought he did a hell of a job. It was some ups and downs, but you don't have you're not you don't have any ties, and you want a young creative guy to go with that quarterback and that and those receivers. That to me would be really interesting. Plus, you get to give Jerry the middle finger in the division. I, I think that would be really interesting. I, it's total speculation on my part, but I just think it would be awesome. Yeah, I mean that that's interesting. They have a lot of pieces in that, and look, you have some veterans to mentor 
Dwayne Haskins as well. Like Alex Smith is still alive. Yeah. yeah. Still going to come back. He's still on your cap. <laughs> like, so that's another piece that, look, he's not going to start for you, but somebody that can help mentor uh, the, uh, the young Dwayne Haskins. Look, the reality is, is we expect this defense with all its talent to be better and be good next year. He's going to be judged on how the quarterback situation plays out and how the offense plays out. Absolutely. And we'll see. We'll see. There's a lot up in the air. I mean, you could have, if you move Williams, you could have two first round picks again this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of pieces that that can move around on this team. By the way, you're talking about Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen on that defensive line, along with Montez Sweat and Chase yeah. Young. I mean, that, yeah. with, with Ron Rivera playing that front four the way that he does, playing a true 4 3, that could be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I it, it's interesting. Like, I think I don't expect the Redskins to make much noise next season, but they've got enough pieces where I don't think this is a long turnaround. No, and and it's the right hire. And as we've discussed in Carolina for a long time, they 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 you took he took a roster and they they completely just overplayed what they had on the field, and that was never more evident than after they fired him and what that Carolina Panthers team looked like after Ron Rivera was not around. The last thing we're going to talk about here coaching-wise before we get into the wildcard weekend matchups is John Dorsey was fired, and Mike McCarthy ended up taking that Browns interview. So on Monday's podcast, we had reported, um, and it was reported at that time, that Mike McCarthy was going to turn down a Browns interview, and John Dorsey was still the GM of the Cleveland Browns. Those things are no longer true whether they have anything to do with each other or not, uh, we have we have talked about for a long time that Mike McCarthy would be the right hire in Cleveland. Whether or not that happens, like we said, he did end up taking that interview and John Dorsey is no longer there. I think the interesting part here is, what does this mean for Baker now that you don't have the GM and the head coach that were there? Um, less about Freddie, more about John Dorsey and him being having that relationship with Baker, um, does that put a little bit of pressure on Baker, uh, Jake? Because I think now, obviously, there's going to be, there's been speculation that the Browns are going to hire a coach first and let the coach have a say in who they hire as the GM, which is very interesting. Um, I I don't really know what the Browns' strategy is here, and it's never been more apparent that meddling owners are not a good thing than this offseason. Yeah, he's another owner that likes seeing himself in a press conference for no reason other than to tell you what they're about to do. I don't think they're going to hire Mike McCarthy. If they were going to do it, I think they'd have done it last year. They'd have talked him into coming. They'd have done what it took to get him, whatever else. I don't know. I mean, Dorsey didn't get fired. They agreed to mutually part ways. Uh, I don't know what that means. That means Dorsey's getting paid to leave, which is getting fired. But he didn't want to be there anymore because he didn't like the, the direction they're going. Look, I, to me, I think this is all Josh McDaniels. I think Josh McDaniels is going to get this job. I think they're going to lose this weekend. He'll be, the, he'll be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns next week. He will be, uh, as we were told by Haslam, instrumental in picking the GM. I think they probably want to package up something, another New England head coach, another New England GM together. Uh, to me, that's what's going to happen here. It, it makes a lot of sense. And if I'm Baker, you, you couldn't have more pressure on you regardless who the coach is or what's going on. You look like shit. You're on every commercial and you play awful all year. You're talking shit to fans in the stands. You need to grow your ass up. You couldn't have more pressure to play good. Or there's going to be another name on the list on the, the back of that jersey that's going to be down to that dude's ankles from the last 20 years have been the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I, I mean, that that's the reality of this. And if you're reading any of the reports that have come out, this this infighting in the front office that, I mean, we all kind of knew about a little bit, but it seems to be even worse than what we expected. Uh, this, is the, this is the problem of having too many cooks in the kitchen and not having a more linear line of, okay, who is my boss? 
Who is who? Where does the buck stop? Who is making these decisions when you have this? Well, you can make the. I mean, look, there's always departments, but when you have people that are having that are making head coaching and personnel decisions, and that they only make some of them, and then not all of them, and there's this weird chain of command, you get these situations where you end up having to fire a bunch of people or mutually part ways, and you pay a bunch of different people that are working for you and not working for you to do the same job. I agree with Jake. I don't think McCarthy's taking this job. I thought he would have been the perfect guy for it last offseason. I don't think they're smart enough to hire him. No, and I don't think – I'm not sure how much he really wants the job. Like I'm sure he took the interview now uh, you know, with, after the regime change, but I think he's going to have other opportunities. And look, I, I, I see this a lot on Twitter this week, and I understand people looking at the, the Cleveland Browns talent roster in a vacuum and saying, this is a really good job. But knowing everything we know about how this organization has been run forever, and even just in the last year – I don't know if it's as attractive of a job as people are making it out to be on Twitter. That's all I'm saying. Uh, If there's anything I've learned about sports is that usually when everybody on Twitter goes one way, I go the other way. Everybody zigs, you zag. That's the, 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 honestly, it happens across the board. And especially in sports, it's like, this is so obviously a great thing. And then more often than not, it is not because this This organization, there are so many other pieces to this than just looking at the roster. And one, we took a a half of a season of Baker Mayfield and anointed him the next biggest thing. Okay, that I like Baker. I hope he has success. But what I've learned about players and specifically quarterbacks is the second time that I that any defensive coordinator sees a quarterback you see a much different version of that, of, of what that, and how that plays out. And in one case, it, we watched it happen with Lamar Jackson. And guess what happened? John Harbaugh took an entire off season to rebuild the offense, to, 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 to put this team in a really, really good position. Who are they going to hire? That's going to do that for Baker. Who's going to, who's going to take this off season and grind because when you hear Lamar Jackson talk, he doesn't talk about himself. Mark Ingram does the talking. The other players on the team do the talking. That's what, if Baker wants to know what to do this offseason, he needs to Lamar Jackson himself. Humble yourself. Don't talk. Just do. And Lamar Jackson was doing and still not talking. I I just, it's, it's, you have to get yourself to a point and he's right in the division. So guess what? You're going to be looking at that guy across the field a lot. So you better figure it out. And By I the think way, you might be the fourth best quarterback in the division when the, when the season kicks off week one next year. Damn right. Because Joe Burrow and might be better than you before he ever takes a snap. I mean, listen, all the stuff that we liked about Baker, all the, the moxie and the way he played, Joe Burrow has all of that, except he's playing better than Baker Mayfield ever did. So I, I as much as we liked Baker, it's this is an interesting time for him because I think there's – being a quarterback in Cleveland comes with all the negative stigma of they haven't ever had anyone. It's been a long time and it's going to be a tough offseason. And this hire is going to be one that I pay very close attention to because this could go one of a lot of there could go a lot of ways. And I think Josh McDaniels will be interesting, but I'm not sold on that being the right hire for this team. And I don't know if the owner continues to act the way he does. I don't think it it could not matter because sometimes you just when you have a meddling owner, it's really hard to have success long term. Yeah, I, mean, I don't hate Josh McDaniels for this job. My question is, Bill's not letting anybody go. All the guys you knew before 
other than the eight guys that are leaving Detroit right now with Patricia. Two of them are apparently retiring. Who are you bringing with you? What defensive coordinator are you bringing in there? I like the fact that he'll grind his ass off in this offense and get creative, and I think they'll be much improved next year if Josh McDaniels is the head coach offensively. What are you going to look like as a whole? And how strong is your backbone with this room full of egos? I mean, that, that's the thing. I'll also say this with Mike McCarthy. There's only 32 of these bad boys, and there's only four more left open right now. So unless you really, really think you got one of the other ones and you want to get back into coaching, I don't know that I would say no. Yeah, I I think that that, that matters. They are not we easy know, to get. No, they are not easy to get, and there's not many of them. And it's it's just how it just how it goes. So I think we'll continue to monitor. Obviously, what happens with all these coaching staffs after Wild Card Weekend? There will be more coaches available for interviews. There's already a bunch of stuff lined up for Josh McDaniels. Will be very interesting to pay attention and see what happens after Wild Card Weekend. All right, guys, let's kick things off with the Saturday matchups. We have two games that love. Love that we're in the postseason time where we get two Saturday games and two Sunday games. So Saturday, we've got the Buffalo Bills going on the road to play the Houston Texans. The Texans are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Buffalo Bills. Jake, I'll let you take this one first. We obviously have seen and heard the uh, reports about J.J. Watt potentially being in this matchup, coming back off of injury. Um, but this is going to be a good one. I think we're set up for a really, really good game between between two good teams, but I'm interested to hear the way you think this is going to play out. So what do you think is going to happen in this one? I always lean towards home teams and the better quarterback in the playoffs, and that's going to be Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans, even though I was not a fan watching them live a few weeks ago at all. And I said Tennessee is going to go down there and whoop them, and they did. I don't think Buffalo can score more than 20 to 23, maybe 24 on anybody, even on that bad defense. I don't think they have the weapons to do it. And I think Houston can, even though Buffalo's defense is really good. I'm going to go 27-24, so I got him covering by half a point, kicking a field goal to win it at home. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins make some plays down the stretch. Just basically leaning towards the, the home team and the better quarterback here. I think both quarterbacks, if you're looking at what do they have to do to win – both of them are going to have to do some off-scripted stuff. I mean, it's going to have to be Sean Watson getting out of the pocket. The offensive line is going to have to play decent. They're going to have to try to stick with the run, and then he's going to have to make some magic. I just think both of them will do it. I think Deshaun, Deshaun Watson will make more. Yeah, this is such a close game. This is, in my mind, the closest game of the weekend. I agree. I'm going to go. I'm going to go the other way and take the Bills by a field goal here uh, and to cover. I have just a lot of concerns about the Texans team overall, but I'm concerned about the offense right now that's not playing all that great going in. Trey White has been phenomenal this year, and Hopkins is going to get his. Great receivers will always get theirs, even on great corners. But if Hopkins is even 75% of what his normal production is, I don't know where else this offense is going to go. Will Fuller's not going to play in this game. Uh, Kenny Stills is fine, but he's just a guy. Uh, in this offense they haven't been able to run the ball consistently maybe you have that big Carlos Hyde game but uh, it's gonna be tough to run on this Bills team they haven't used Duke Johnson as effectively out of the backfield in the back half of the season Sean Watson's getting hit a bunch again after they protected him pretty well in the middle part of the season I'm just I think this is gonna be a low scoring game I don't think the Bills are gonna have to get above 24 27 points in this game to be able to win this one uh, and I think Buffalo's going to be able to run the ball effectively. I don't trust Houston's secondary. I think John Brown can have a big game. Cole Beasley can take advantage of the, in, in the slot. The defense is playing a lot better. It's it's like but it's a close game. But I, I think the Bills can get this can get this done on the road. I'm just disappointed with the way the Texans have been finishing the year on offense. Look, I, I, I can totally yeah. see it. I don't I don't love my pick at all. I'm just like, all right, if I got to lean towards one way, and I always go towards home teams and quarterbacks in the in the playoffs. 
But I tell you, I do not like them watching them live at all. I mean, if the Buccaneers had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, they put up 600 yards of offense and win by 25. And, and the, offensively, Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins did nothing. I mean, this was two weeks ago. Uh, but I just, I, I don't know. I'm going to stick with it. But I, I could totally see what you're saying, Jamie, being 20 to 17 instead. I, I think the first game we talk about here and the last game we're going to talk about are going to be the two closest games. I'm with Jamie on this one. I'm, I'm usually with Jake where I lean. I go quarterback and home team. But something about this Texans team, especially the injuries that they've sustained, some of the stuff on offense, and more so they didn't walk into the postseason hot. Right. They didn't walk into the posting where, yes, they won the division technically, but the better team in the back half of the season has been the Tennessee Titans. And, and I, when I look at both of these teams, I just Houston, to me, isn't as impressive. And I think Buffalo has proven to us enough this season, specifically when they went to Dallas, they went on the road. They can go on the road and especially this can be inside. There's going to be no weather issues. Right. It, they can go on the road and win a big football game. And I'm willing to bet that there's going to be quite a few Buffalo fans in Houston. Buffalo travels well, and they also have fans everywhere. And their fans are very excited. So I think this could end up being a really, really close game. But I just have a sneaky feeling Buffalo uh, takes I'll agree with you there, Paige. The only thing I'll say to that is they barely beat the Steelers, who suck. Lost to yes. the Patriots, who aren't very good. Didn't play their quarterback and lost to the Jets at home in Week 17. So they're not hot either going in the playoffs. No, both teams aren't. Yeah. And the reality is, is look, the downfall to betting on the Bills in this game is that when you bet on an offense with a very limited ceiling, things can get bad. Absolutely. If if Houston gets out to a 14 0 lead, they get hot, it's over for them. It just, it just, the Buffalo can't, without getting throwing pick, without Watson like throwing pick sixes, Buffalo's not going to be able to overcome that sort of a deficit. So this is good. This game, you're going to have an idea. If it's going to be close, which I think it's going to be, you're going to know right away. Yeah. I'm with you on that one, Jamie. That makes a ton of sense. All right, the next game we're going to talk about here, the Tennessee Titans going on the road. This is a Saturday night game going on the road to play the New England Patriots. The Patriots are a five-point favorite at home. Uh, man, I want to I want to pick Tennessee to win this game. I, I know, Jake, we Okay, go ahead. Uh, I'm taking the Titans 27-20. They're going to run it. They're going to play action off of that. They got a hot receiver. They got a hot tight end. They got a really hot quarterback. They got a defense that's playing good. That's getting Dory Jackson back, playing a team that can't run it, can't throw it, can't protect the quarterback, and has a hot defense, kind of, that Devontae Parker just put up 140 yards on the defensive player of the year last week for the Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick. To nothing tells me, other than, other than history and the Patriots being the Patriots, and I get all that. I'm looking at this week's matchup, the two teams that are playing on paper and what they've shown me on film, on, on TV. I'm taking the Titans 27-20. I, got, I definitely got them covering the five. Hell, I, I think I might take the Dolphins if they were playing again this week to cover that. I only picked them to win by six last week. Not 16, the dumbest line I've ever seen, as you as you so eloquently eloquently put last week. Uh, but, yeah, I like it. I feel this is probably my, my favorite pick of the weekend of these, of these games. Yeah, I'm taking the Titans as well. And, and look, I, I'm not – I always take some hesitation here because it's not what my eyes or my brain tells me. It's the – I always get scared when everybody – in the world it's like okay the Patriots are finally done now because like some weird voodoo magic happens yeah at that point when but I, I can't see it here the Titans are uh, look the Patriots are not putting up points offensively this if you watch this offense play it is a struggle yeah. to, for them to get points it is a struggle and I don't think they're just going to miraculously turn into this 30 carry for 120 yards Sony Michelle thing that they did last year I mean it's just going to pop out of nowhere from that offense and if they can't do that they're not going to be effective Edelman is hurt this is as banged up as Edelman has been, maybe in his career. 
I don't think that's getting talked about enough. When they get eliminated, I'm very interested. In, I'm very interested to know um, what hit all his injury elements yeah. are because yeah, he's you know they're lying big. about it. <laughs> oh yeah, and oh, yeah. they're yeah. the worst of that stuff. But he doesn't look right. They don't have a secondary pass catching option right now. That's uh, that's worth anything. They don't have a tight end option. Uh, James White has not been involved in this offense Guys, the last listen, eight weeks as he was, was last year. If we took the name, if we took, if if we looked at the rosters, right, and you were dropped in and you didn't have any old knowledge of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, this is very lopsided yeah. because this offense is horrendous. It is not good. They have no weapons. They haven't been good all season long. And if you didn't know that you were talking about the Patriots that I'm putting in quotes, you would look at this and go, there's no way that team's going to beat that team. But I've seen this happen before, it, it, and I just I feel like this time it's different. I, I do too because I think there's a there's a actual talent issue. I yes. think this year. And look, they have a phenomenal coach, the best coach. There, there's there's no doubt about it. And that's what gives me. It's not Tom Brady doesn't give. Tom Brady's playing fine, just just fine. He played ju- more than that. he played just fine last but year. That when does, they won but a that Super doesn't Bowl. scare me. Tom Brady doesn't scare me. That he's yeah. it's Belichick's scheme is what scares me. Yeah. That he has something concocted, that he knows something about Mike Vrabel that we don't know. Yeah. That's what scares me. But I can't, I can't actively look at these two teams the way they have played all season, and particularly recently, and say the Titans are not the better team up and down. I, I'll give the Patriots the check on defense, but it's not by a lot. And I think the Titans are a lot better on offense right now. And Derrick Henry is going to have a day. You've been, you can run on the Patriots. I know their overall season stats don't look like it. Watch when teams have done it and committed to the run in the last eight weeks. They have been extremely effective with lesser talents than Derrick Henry. Even the Browns. Even the Browns. I mean, go back to what I said a minute ago. What do these teams have to do to win? The Titans have to do what they've been doing, stop the run, and watch out for the trick play. And be, just be solid on special teams. Do what you've been doing on offense, solid on special teams, watch out for the trick play. New England has to pull a rabbit out of their hat. If you look at what do they have to do to win, they have to hit a trick play. They have to run it with this new fullback linebacker thing and hit some stuff off of that. And they got to play ridiculously good on defense, which they've done most of the year. But I just don't see them turning it over a ton and giving them scores. No, the only way I see them winning this game is if they score a defensive touchdown and a special team score. Like that's how they're going to score points. Like they need legitimately, they need to return a, a kick for a touchdown, a punt for a touchdown. They need a special teams touchdown or a pick six. Like that's their offense cannot score period. That's that it's not happening. They just don't have enough weapons, but the X factor is always bill. I just think this year it's the first time where I've looked at this team and I went, okay, yes, in years past, they could make up for the talent disparity, but this year it's too big. And the gap is too week. big. They do, they're playing on wild card weekend. They don't have two weeks to prepare. By the way, they've it's, been booed at home twice in the last month. They have not been yeah. that great at home. This is not like this is some giant home field advantage like it has been in the past. No, it, it's, it's not going to be – I, I just don't think anybody's afraid of this version of the Patriots. I really don't. I can promise I you Vrabel's team will not be. We haven't even talked about no. the Vrabel factor, and I don't know how much of a factor it is other than he knows the nuances of it, and he knows exactly what I just said. Watch out for the trick plays. Play solid special teams. Don't do anything to beat yourself. And they haven't. They've taken his identity for two years now, and they've overachieved and played really, really solid. And there's, there is an, actually an overwhelming sense of familiarity that Jake's pointing to on yeah. his face. Not only is Mike Vrabel, but – Ryan Tannehill's had a scheme for the Patriots defense more than a few times in his yes. career. This is not Good the point, first time Jamie. walking Great into point. a. Uh, <laughs> it's not the first time he's seen Bill Belichick's defense on film. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I mean, I, 
I, I just, I, I look. If it wasn't for this fear that like Bill Belichick made a deal with the devil ten years <laughs> in two thousand one or whatever, there's no. I can't logically put together a way that I would take the Patriots in this game. I just can't. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. And listen, we saw the Mike Vrabel punch this team in the mouth last year. 42 to 10 final score. They just demolish this team. They, they have, they're unafraid. And, and that's, they're talking about that Vrabel factor. There's no Patriots mystique that's scaring this football team. And that matters because a lot of times teams walk into Foxborough and they've already lost the game. They're afraid of what the Patriots are doing and the voodoo that is what happens in Foxborough. Vrabel doesn't care about that. And it's definitely how his team, after speaking with Kevin Byard last year, they have taken that identity on from their head coach. And that is a good thing. And it's going to be needed to go into Foxborough and, and take that team out. So it'll be interesting. And hopefully it plays out the way we all think it's going to. All right. The Sunday games kick off with the Minnesota Vikings going on the road to play the New Orleans Saints. This is the biggest point spread of the weekend. It is a eight point spread. The Saints are favored by a little over a touchdown. Saints going into the postseason, feeling themselves playing really, really good football. The Vikings obviously lost, but they didn't play about half of their starters Jake, you've gone off and on the train of the Minnesota Vikings this year. Are you going to be officially off the train with your pick for this game? If they were going to Seattle, I'd be still on the train. But they're going to New Orleans, and I'm off the train. I, I don't. I mean, they they didn't play anybody because they had to get healthy. And this offense scares me. We talked about them using the two tight ends more, and Irv Smith Jr. becoming a bigger part of it. But it's it's been at the detriment to Thielen, who's not playing the slot. Dalvin Cook's injury, saying he'll be back in 100%. I don't think there's any way he'll be back in 100%. And you can't really run on the Saints anyways. Two years in a row, they're top five in rush defense. Marshawn Lattimore, linebackers are playing really, really solid. Uh, I'm going to take Sean Payton and the quarter and Drew Brees and the quarterback edge here big time. Kirk Cousins has never won a big game. I'll give you guys that. Um, I don't know that they cover that. I mean, I was going to say 30 to 21, so I have them covering it by half a point. I guess I'll stick with that. I, what, I mo- what I love most is that the Saints went into Carolina last week knowing they had to play for the number one seed. And if they didn't get it, they had to stay hot. And they won 42 to 10, and they look like gangbusters doing it. I, I love that. You couldn't be hotter. You couldn't be hungrier coming into the playoffs. You're playing at home in a really, really tough place to play. Um, I, I just feel like they have the edge in every way. I do too. I can't find one area of the game where I think Minnesota has a significant advantage over New Orleans. I think the Saints win this game by two touchdowns. I think this is going to be a blowout. This game's not going to be very exciting in the second half. The Vikings offense is a complete and utter mess right now. Uh, The only stability it has is when Dalvin Cook gets the ball 30 times. And I'm not sure they're going to be up. I'm not sure they're going to be close enough in this game to give Dalvin Cook the ball 30 times. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the passing offense right now. I don't know why Adam Thielen is playing, not only where he's playing on the field, but why he's not being more productive. But the second they put him back on the field, all the production they were getting from Rudolph and Irv Smith, uh, about 80% of that evaporated. Uh, it, it's this, Their defense has not played well in the back half of the season. Like, even Xavier Rhodes, like it's been... It's been troublesome. And he got benched in a game. Yeah, he's been, uh, he has been terrible. He's one of the most targeted corners in the league this year. Yeah. Which I hated their offensive game plan against the Packers. Up. That was god-awful. Yeah, it's just – I just – I think Minnesota is, is, is a mess right now relative to their talent level. Like they're not a mess like organizationally, but they're a mess in terms of – they're too talented to be where they are right now. Uh, the nuance is a quarterback advantage – they have they have advantage on offense. They have advantage on defense. They have advantage on special. They have advantage everywhere on the field. Uh, they're at home. They're on fire right now. 
I just I can't see a way that unless they're unless somebody gets hurt in this game, I can't see a way they don't win this game and cover the spread. Yeah, it's I think it's going to be an ugly one. Um, Minnesota's just not walking into this game where they really have to be prepared to go into a hostile environment in New Orleans. It is going to be rowdy. This fan base has waited for I don't know 10 months to just get ready for this they are still so angry about how everything ended last year and that team has embodied that and I think they're going to play with a little bit of that anger throughout this postseason and if I'm picking now this is the team I'm picking to win the Super Bowl they just they're they're in my mind when you talk about how much quarterback head coach matters experience matters what the home field advantage throughout at least in this case scenario will matter in this first round this team's going to be tough to beat they're going to be a tough out and I have a I don't see anybody in the NFC that's going to take them out and I think part of this too of why I'm so confident is it's not that Minnesota doesn't deserve to be a playoff team and not that they're not good I just think there are two elite teams in the NFC San Francisco and New Orleans and I think there is a there's a significant gap between those two teams and everybody else in the NFC playoffs right now so it's just it's an unfortunate matchup if this was I don't know if I would have picked them to beat Green Bay, but I think that's a one-score game. That's a field goal game in either direction against Green Bay. But drawing New Orleans is just brutal. Yeah, just a tough matchup all around. All right, guys, the last game we're going to break down here is the Seattle Seahawks going on the road to play the Philadelphia Eagles. This is the only road team that is favorited in this wild card weekend. The Seahawks are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against Philadelphia the, the, I talked about at the beginning of this breakdown that I thought the first and the last game were going to be the closest ones. I stick with that. I think this is going to be a really, really close game. Jake, what do you think is going to happen in this one? I got a shootout. I got I got Seattle winning 30-27, to 27, covering that on a field goal at the end. I just – I look at the home field advantage, yeah, maybe a little bit, but you're talking about a, a, a super veteran quarterback that's been with a head coach for a long time, that's won a world championship, that got to another one. They've been in all the fights. Philly's pass defense is god-awful. So, yeah, they don't have any running backs left, and they want to stick with the run. But, okay, we're going to lean on our best player, which we're going to have to do anyway at some point. I think they're going to do that early. Carson Wentz is playing at a freaking ridiculous level for the last four weeks. They've been absolutely spectacular, not getting enough credit. First 4,000-yard passer in NFL history with no 500-yard receivers. That is an insane stat, people. Like, that is nuts. Yeah. But I just don't think they have enough. I think he's going to play great at home. I said last week, if you're Philly, forget about freaking Nick Foles and appreciate what you do have. You got this guy uh, locked up to a contract for a long time, and you're building around him, and you're going to get healthy in the in the future. I just don't think they have enough to get this done, but I do think he's going to play well enough to keep it close. I just think Russell makes more more plays in the end uh, to get this done. And that's where I'm at too. Like this is both teams are so banged up; it's hard to get a good gauge of where they are. Like, Miles Sanders says he's going to play, but he's not going to be anywhere near 100 for this game. Neither is Jordan Howard. And at some point, you just you're, you're looking at the weapons that the Eagles have and. Look, they're barely – they've won. They won. they won three in a row to end the season. But they're barely scraping by against meh teams to get in. Where Seattle, even with all of their issues, are fighting against top teams like San Francisco. And they're hanging in there. They're not, they didn't win that game, but they're hanging in there. I think this is going to be the big Russell Wilson game. This is going to be the, oh, yeah, this is what we saw in the first half of the season that we kind of haven't seen uh, in the last few weeks. Neither team is going to be able to run the ball extremely effectively. So this is going to have to be – I'm with Jake. I think there's going to be a lot of points put up in this game. Seattle's got more weapons in the passing game right now than Philly does. Zach Ertz may or may not play in this game too. So, like, that's, that's up in the air. So if Ertz doesn't play, I mean, bro, I mean we're, down to, we're down to nobodies at this point. We're down yeah, to they've been with nobodies and they've had four 400-yard games. 
Like those two stats to yeah. me are they say it all. That means the quarterback's playing at a freaking level. And his team's believing the coach is coaching his ass off and they're putting it together. But you're talking about a playoff game against a quarterback that's won a Super Bowl that's that just pulls a rabbit out of his hat every week. Now, I think it's gonna be a hell of a fun game. Yeah. I, I mean, Seattle's defense sucks. So I think Philly, regardless, I, just, I think Wentz is going to play well. I just think Russell Wilson makes more plays in the end. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really, really fun game, and I think it's going to be close, like I said. But I think just what you you talked about is you can only sustain that that for so long, right? Yeah. Yes, Carson Wentz is unbelievable, and he's been able to do that. But at the end of the day, there are a bunch of players on this football team on the other side of the football that won the Super Bowl. You've got a head coach and a quarterback that have been there and done that, and that matters, that experience. And they're not playing against – teams like Washington and Dallas and the Giants. This is, this is a different football team. You put up those statistics, you were able to do that against teams that haven't been there and haven't done that. This is different. This is a different team. And Seattle has been able to go on the road in the postseason and play really well. And I think that's, that's going to be the the end for this. And I, I agree with you, Jamie. I think this is going to be that one where we all go, Oh yeah. Russell Wilson exists, right? Like you, we had, we had the first half where he was unbelievable. And then Lamar Jackson was just so much better and Russell kind of tapered down. But against this, this secondary, all of a sudden I feel like we're going to see DK and we're going to see Tyler Lockett and we're going to see all these guys. And we're going to go, Oh yeah, I forgot that Russell Wilson can be this guy. Right. And it's, it's going to be that reminder of, of who he is as a, as an individual. And like Jake said, pulls a rabbit out of his hat Every single By the way, Homer, Homer filled in and played his ass off last week. I mean, Marshawn Lynch was yeah. okay, and the Skittles came flying on a one-yard touchdown and all that stuff. Homer played really good, catches it really well out of the backfield. Like, they have another piece there that he's just plug and play. He's been there all year. He's in shape. He knows the offense. I mean, it just gives Russell Wilson that much more comfortability. But I think they – I mean, they're going to lean on their best player, and I think they're going to do it early. I don't think they're going to say, okay – yeah, let's just keep trying to plug away and run. They're going to run it here and there to keep them honest so they can play action off of that. But that secondary has been garbage all year. I think they have to lean on Russell Wilson early and often. Yeah, I, I think not that you ever want you – know, you obviously would much rather have Chris Carson or Rashad Penny in this game. I'm not suggesting that. But sometimes taking that out of your tool bag when you know the Eagles actually are very effective against the run and are brutal against the pass and just basically leading your offense to more of, all right, well, let's just attack their weakness often, early, yeah. early often, and always – it might not be as bad as it would be in a normal game without those guys. Yeah, that's a good point, Jamie. All right, we've reached the end of the podcast. Jake, any parting thoughts on today's podcast other than you're excited to get home and you're excited to watch postseason football? I am, I am. I'm uh, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with these coaching hires. It's always a crazy, weird time of the year. I think there's going to be a couple curveballs. Uh, I'm glad to see in most of these organizations being very thorough. You're seeing a lot of guys going in interviewing, which sometimes they just want to pick their brains. Sometimes, you know, it is what it is, whatever the reason. Uh, but I, I like the fact that they're doing that. And I'm really interested to see. I think some of them will be done by next week. And I'm really excited for just play football to finally be here. I think we're going to have, I think three of these four games are going to be one score games. And I think they're going to be exciting matchups that we're really going to be happy to watch. And, and look, it's, I'm ready. I'm ready for postseason football. Yeah. I mean, it's, no, there's nothing like week 17 and watching players you've never heard of before that make you go all right i'm glad the postseason's finally here like i'm glad we're getting real football back again not watching some undrafted free agent out of i don't know mesa community college that uh, is catching passes <laughs> with some team because nobody wants to get hurt in this game. uh but no i'm really excited again i think three really good games and look i, I think the saints roll but even if, if maybe they struggle a little bit you get four great games so yeah. i think there's there's this is gonna be an awesome week 
of wall-to-wall NFL football. Yeah, I'm excited. It's it's finally here, postseason football. It's going to be – we're going to blink our eyes, and it's going to be the end of the month. And uh, so just a reminder to enjoy what football we have remaining because it's going to be gone here pretty soon. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on the Twitter. Yep, and Jamie? You follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.